We're about halfway through a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer called Teach Us to Pray. And I hope that so far you've seen how much meaning is packed in each and every one of these lines from the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, he's leading us to go back to Scripture to see the fatherhood of God and to see the depth of that meaning. And once you start looking for it, you'll see it all over Scripture. When Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be thy name, he's leading us to go back to Scripture and, and look for God's holiness and the importance of God's name. And just like Ben talked about a couple of weeks ago, even our songs reflect the fact that God's name is everywhere in Scripture. When Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's teaching us to go back to Scripture to look for the concept of the kingdom. And if you start looking, that's a theme you'll find in the book of Genesis and all the way in the book of Revelation. And I think the same is true for today's line. Give us this day our daily bread. It's hard to know where to begin. There's so much here. But I think a really good place to start is to find out where this line challenges us. I think that there's a, there's a myth that is important to many Americans that this line challenges. It goes by more than one name, so I'll share a few of them. I think they appeal to different people depending upon who you are. But this myth tells you that you can be a self-made man. It also goes by the name, you can be a, a strong, independent woman. Or for any Texan in the room, you can pull yourselves up by your spiritual bootstraps. Now, whatever you call the idea, however it is sold to you, the underlying root of the myth is a story we tell ourselves, and I think it goes something like this. Look, you've had a lot of challenges in your life, because life is hard. But whatever you have, you worked for with grit, ambition, and determination. And you wouldn't want to say it out loud because it might sound rude, but when other people fail, it probably had to do with a lack of effort. Some people who fail just don't try hard enough. It, it may not be all their fault. They didn't maybe know the right techniques. But either way, the time we have in this life belongs to us to either use right or to squander. I normally like to read books that I haven't read before, but one author that I love, love rereading is C.S. Lewis. I just reread The Screwtape Letters, which Lewis actually believed was his least favorite book to write because in this book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis writes as a demon named Screwtape. And Screwtape is a senior demon writing letters to a junior demon about how to torment a Christian on earth. You can see why he didn't like this exercise. The book is not about demonic possession, which we dismiss as the stuff of horror movies. It's about the daily demonic temptations that all of us struggle with. And I just love this paragraph so much it fit perfectly with what we're talking today, talking about today. The demon screw tape writes to the junior demon, My dear Wormwood, men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by misfortune conceived as an injury. The more claims on life that your patient, that is the Christian on earth, can be induced to make, the more often he will feel 
injured, and man, this really hit home. Nothing throws him into a passion so easily as to find a tract of time which he reckoned at his own disposal unexpectedly taken away from him. They anger him because he regards time as his own. He advises this junior demon, you must zealously guard in his mind the curious assumption, my time is my own. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. I think the American myth of being a self-made man, the American myth of being an independent woman, the Texan myth of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps sets us up for this temptation. Your time is your own. Your life is your own. Your present and future are in your hands, and no one should take it away from you. Your life belongs to you, and you bear the ultimate responsibility of whatever good or bad you face in life. I don't think there's a lie further from the truth of what Jesus teaches us than this. We can't meet in the middle with this myth. We've got to run away from it as fast as we can, even if we're labeled extreme. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, or if you're watching online this morning and you're not a Christian, you might think, well, I don't care what Jesus has to say about this. I'm just going to make my life what I want it to be. But before you jump to that conclusion, you've got to think about what you're signing up for when you believe this story, this myth. Because whatever happens in your life, you alone are responsible for the solution. If you believe you're self-made, that you're totally independent, well, what happens when your marriage starts to break down? What if you feel shame about decisions made in the past? There's no appeal outside of yourself, no, no one to answer your cries for help. It's just you. And if that doesn't sound good to you, I want to show you what Jesus recommends to us. And, and I happen to think that what he says is true, but I also think it's so liberating from this enslaving myth. So we're going to walk through each of these three parts of this one line and see how it liberates us, because it's true. Now, first you've got to ask, who do we go to with this request? It's not just anyone. Jesus tells us to take this request to our Heavenly Father. And I think the best summary about our Heavenly Father actually comes from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, the, the being we go to with this request. Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if your son asks you for a fish, will, will give him a snake? He says, if you then, though you are evil, still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? You see, when we take this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, to God, he's already disposed to answer our request. If you think God is stingy or closed-fisted, this prayer isn't going to make any sense. But it does make sense if you know God is generous and he's open-handed. That's why this prayer, give us, is so much easier when you know who you're talking to. But here's the thing, it's not easy if you think you're self-made. If you think you're independent, these two words are going to challenge you a lot in life. Because Jesus is teaching you to go outside of yourself to someone else. This request, give us, shows us who we are in relationship 
to God. God is the giver, and we are the recipients. He has something to offer to us, and we are the ones in need. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts this. Tell me, what do you have that you have not received? It's almost like a challenge. I mean, seriously, what do we have that we have not received? Think about every good thing in life, physical or spiritual, that you have right now. The fact that this universe is here at all. The fact that you're alive and you've been alive for decades. The basic necessities that you have of shelter, water, and food. It's all a gift. Think about everything you have that isn't a basic necessity. What do you have that you have not received? Think about the spiritual gifts you've been given. You have an immortal soul. What a gift. God has placed eternity in your heart. Jesus has forgiven your sins. Just start listing out all the physical and spiritual things you have, all gifted to us from God. What do we have that we have not received? A big fat nothing. Nothing. We've received every good thing we have from our Heavenly Father. Guys, we're, we're two words into this line in this prayer, and it just busts this American myth into pieces. Self-made, independent, come on. We've received everything good from God. This is just, this is a story that appeals to us if you're young, healthy, or wealthy. But once you get old, once you get sick, once you go broke, you will be taught very quickly how dependent you are on God. I agree with what theologian Ben Myers says about this line. He says, every day, Morning and night I hunger. The whole stuff of my life is hunger, need, and lack. Technology and affluence, that is wealth, blind me to this truth. But just going one day without food is enough to show me the truth of what I am. I live by lack, and God lives by fullness. I want to go to this second phrase. Give us this day. Jesus teaches us to be radically focused on the present, right now. Um, there, there's a radical shift that happened to me when I became a dad because sometimes my goal is to just get through the day. I'm not saying anything new to any mom or dad in here, and this is not about your kids. You love your kids. But this past week, y'all, at one point, I was laying in Evelyn's room on the bed. She is screaming in my ear, and I was like, I'm preaching, give us this day our daily bread this week, and God is doing this to me right now. I, I just need to get through this day, this day. And I think Jesus wants us to pray about this day because we, don't, we actually don't get promised tomorrow. And he even says in the Sermon on the Mount, I love this, he says, don't even bother worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, meaning this day, is going to have enough trouble of its own. The Apostle James says it better, says it just as well in his, in his letter. He goes, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 
Y'all, the only time we have to pray the Lord's Prayer is this day. And sometimes we've just got to pray to get through the day. I think these final three words are so amazing. You could do a whole sermon just on these three words. I think Jesus is so sneaky because he puts so much goodness in this one phrase. What does our daily bread mean? Well, I think his first audience of Jews would have had a story in their minds about daily bread. Darren read it for us this morning. After the Jews are freed from slavery in Egypt, they don't land in the promised land. They, they end up in the wilderness. And they're roaming around, and there's a big problem. They don't have anything to eat. But instead of saying, hey, why don't we ask God for some help? I mean, he just parted the Red Sea for us. He can probably provide a food, right, for us. No, 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 they don't say that. They assemble a town hall and start complaining against Moses and God. And they're saying, you, you've led us out here to starve. And God doesn't even get upset at first. He just promises to rain down miraculous, unearned bread from heaven. It's that simple. But then he gives these instructions. The people are to go out, say those two bold words with me, each day. And gather enough for, say it with me, that day. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Moses has these instructions for the Israelites that make them trust in God to provide. They can't store bread overnight or else it will rot. And on Fridays, they've got to get double of the manna that appears on the ground because no bread is going to appear on Saturdays. What is God teaching them with this gift of miraculous bread? I don't think that it teaches them that they're going to get whatever they want, when they want, and the amount they want it. No, 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 they actually have to trust God in the wilderness to provide bread, their basic necessities, each and every day. And they can't store too much or else it will rot, and sometimes they've got to save up for the days that are lacking. Jesus is doing the same thing with us when he teaches us, give us this day our daily bread. You've got to pray for what you need today. Nothing more and nothing less. We're not asking for extravagance. We're not asking for pittance. We're asking for what we need this day. But here's the beautiful thing about our daily bread. That phrase isn't just about basic necessities. Jesus actually connects our daily bread to communion. Okay, and I want to show you why I think this. When Jesus performed the famous feeding of the 5,000 by multiplying the loaves of bread and fish... The Jews who were there for that miracle ask Jesus to perform a sign. And they give him the not-so-subtle hint of raining down bread from heaven. They, they're basically saying, we know that you can take what we give you, bread and fish, and multiply it to feed the thousands, but now we want to see if you can make it rain from heaven. Can you do even more than what we just saw? And I love Jesus' response. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is not... Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And I love the way Darren read this this morning. They say, sir, always give us this bread. And he says, 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And at this, the Jews began to grumble just like the Israelites did in the wilderness because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And he says, stop grumbling amongst yourselves. I can know, I can hear what you're, what you're saying to yourself. This is why you should stop grumbling because unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. This teaching is difficult, and it's so difficult that some of Jesus' followers stop following him at this point in the Gospel of John. But here's the question for us today. Was Jesus just the bread of life for those who lived 2,000 years ago with him? Are we lacking access to the bread of life? Absolutely not. He is the bread of life for us today because we gather around this table. Just look at the way he performs the miracle. He takes bread, gives thanks, and says, my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Does that sound like the Last Supper to you? This is my body, this is my blood. This passage in John 6 connects the Lord's Prayer to the Lord's Supper. Every time we pray our daily bread, God answers us each Sunday with weekly communion. Can you believe that? When Jesus prayed or told us to pray for our daily bread he, he was praying for this meal that we would celebrate each week we have access to the bread of life today but here's the thing i i still think that there's more to this phrase because jesus himself is the bread of life he's asking he's telling us i should say to pray for him to receive him. And I love this because if you look through the Lord's Prayer, at every single line you can see Jesus in it, even though it's not obvious at first. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, how is it possible that we are his sons and daughters? Well, because Jesus is his one and only son. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we think about the name that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush. But guess what? Jesus is given the name above every name. When we pray, for his kingdom to come. Whose kingdom are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, who is the king of all kings. When we pray, thy will be done, we're asking to be as obedient as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he says, not my will, but thine be done, yours be done. When he tells us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, well, Jesus himself brings heaven to earth. And when we pray, give us our daily bread, Jesus is the answer to that prayer. Isn't that incredible? This is such good news. You're not self-made. You're not independent. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We would die without Jesus Christ. Bread on this earth will run out. Life will come to an end. All of our hard work is temporary. But Jesus is the bread that we can live by for eternal life. I love what he says to Satan 
during the temptation in the wilderness, he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And he is the word made flesh. Every time we pray this, we're saying, Father, give us this day our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our daily bread. He is the bread of life. He is bread of heaven and bread that gives life to the world. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer again together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.